Okay, good morning and happy Mother's Day. I will admit to you that when I was first asked to speak on Mother's Day, I was quite hesitant. Okay, this is going to have to rest up here. Uh, I shared with Joel that Mother's Day can really be a tough day to speak on because there are a lot of things uh, to consider. Mother's Day, of course, is a day to celebrate, right? We love to talk about the sweetness of babies, the joys of children, uh, and the importance of the role of mothering. But Mother's Day can be a hard day for some people. Uh, some of you maybe don't have a great relationship with your mother, or maybe you've recently lost your mom or a grandmother who was very close to you. Um, maybe you're a mom and your relationship with your child is strained or broken. And in a room of this size, I know that some of you really want to be a mother, but things have not yet worked out as you have hoped and planned. And really, if we're being honest, some of you today who are in this room and online watching us, you are mothering in circumstances that are incredibly difficult, circumstances you never could have imagined finding yourself in. But if today is a day that is tough for you, I want you to know that you're not forgotten. You're not forgotten by me, but more importantly and most importantly, you are not forgotten by our God. Psalm 34:18 assures us of this. It says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he delivers those who are discouraged. So if those two words describe you today, if you are brokenhearted or discouraged, what I wanna do first to start off this morning is to pray for you. So would all of you join me as we pray? God, you are so good to us. You remind us in your word that you are close to us when our hearts are broken, when we lack courage because we're afraid or because we're just plain tired from so many disappointments and challenges. God, we ask that you keep reminding us that you are here with us. Thank you, God, for giving courage today to those men and women who are here in this place today when they really didn't feel like coming to church. God, I ask that today you would fill them with a new sense of hope, that you would give them a new measure of courage to face what's ahead, and that you would remind all of us of your great, unending love for us. We are your people, and we are listening for what you have to say to us today. Give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so today's message is actually not just for mothers. Uh, this is a message for all of us. I mean, I'm going to assume that it's for all of us because I'm going to assume that all of you would say that you want to live a life that's blessed. Is that true? Yes, of course. I mean, surely no one is walking around here today uh, wishing for a life that's cursed, right? I mean, we all want to experience blessings and good things, not only in our life, but for the life of those around us. Well, in Scripture, there is a secret to living that kind of life, a blessed life. But what I love is that it's actually not a secret at all. It is spelled out clearly for us in Scripture with so many examples that I cannot even share with you half of the good stuff that I wanted to today. So do you want to know what the secret is? Yes? Okay, I want to warn you first, though. The word I'm going to share with you today is, um, it's not a very popular word, and it's not one that brings like warm, fuzzy feelings, but I am hoping by the end of this morning that I've changed your mind about this word. Okay, are you ready for the keyword? Okay, our keyword for today is obedience. See, I heard groans. <laughs> None of you got excited about that. 
Oh, man. I mean, it, yeah, obedience just does not conjure up excitement and enthusiasm on our behalf, right? I mean, nobody says, man, I just can't wait to take orders. No, no. Well, part of that is because we are born with a sin nature, and it just naturally predisposes us towards rebellion, right? I mean, have any of you ever been around a typical two-year-old? Yes, right? And you know that they have a favorite word, right? It's one of the first ones that they learn, and they like to use it often. What is their favorite word? Okay, see, you guys know. No, 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 no. I mean, it doesn't matter what you tell them to do or what you ask of them. They're going to say no. Well, when our daughter, our sweet Kate, and I did ask for permission to share this story, okay, just so you know, when our sweet daughter Kate, who's now 21, when she was about 18 months old, uh, we got a glimpse of what technical obedience was. You know what technical obedience is? where you barely obey on the outside, but on the inside, you are not obeying at all. Well, when she was young, we had those tall stereo speakers, you know, that had the fabric covering on the front. They're just perfect for little kids to poke their fingers through, right, and to ruin them. Well, we knew that we didn't want that to happen, and so we had um, started showing her where that boundary was. So whenever Kate would crawl close to the speaker, we would point to it, and we would say, no, don't touch. Right? And what would she do? She wanted to touch it, of course, right? I mean, that disobedience, that rebellion, I mean, it shows itself clearly and early uh, with all of us. So as she would crawl over, we would, you know, crawl over beside her, we'd pull her little hand away, we would say, no, no, don't touch. But we did this with her over and over and over and over. Um, and, you know, she was kind of stubborn. And so then we would just sort of tap her little hand so that she got the message that we meant it when we said, no, don't touch. But this child was still not deterred. I mean, frankly, I don't know where she got this stubborn streak. I mean, I don't think she got it from me. Did she get it from you? Because <laughs> according to my mother, who's watching right now live online, happy Mother's Day, mom. My mom says I was the perfect child. <laughs> so... I'm going to stick to that story. Uh, anyway, this game went on for far too long with Kate, and it ended up with her in tears. And so I thought, okay, she has learned her lesson, and that's the end of her touching the speaker. I thought we were good. And then I turned around, and there she was, back at the speaker, with her little hand in the air, ready to touch the forbidden object. And I looked at her, and I said, Kate, don't touch the speaker. What did she do? No, she didn't touch the speaker. She picked up her baby doll, and with her baby doll, she touched the speaker. <laughs> that was barely obeying. I mean, technically, she did not touch that speaker, but oh my goodness. We naturally want to assert power over our own lives, our circumstances. We want to do things our way. We want to make our own choices. But when we become followers of Christ, there is often a steep learning curve to being obedient to him. It takes time and it takes practice to undo that rebellious nature and get into a place where we see and embrace obedience as the path to blessing, the path to joy, and the path to freedom. Are you familiar with what Scripture says about the connection that exists between obedience and blessing? I want to share with you one passage today just so you can see what it says. Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 6 says, 
If you indeed obey the Lord your God and are careful to observe all his commandments I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will elevate you above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come to you in abundance if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. Your children will be blessed, as well as the produce of your soil, the offspring of your livestock, the calves of your herds, and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your mixing bowl will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. My favorite part of this verse is that my mixing bowl will be blessed. I love the thought of mixing up some cookies or brownies, and the Lord's just blessing it. Cookies are blessed, so there you go. So listen, if we're going to walk in the way of blessing, it first might help to settle the question of why. Why should we obey God? The first reason I want to, uh, to give with you today is it's to express our love to him. Have any of you ever heard of Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages? Raise your hand. Oh, see, there's so many of you who have yet to learn of the great thing of the five love languages. I so highly uh, encourage you to get this book. It's a fantastic book. But what Gary Chapman does is he proposes that there are five ways that we primarily express love to others and that we receive love. And we all have a language that we speak uh, most often, and there's a language that we hear love in. So the five love languages are words of affirmation, quality time, meaningful gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. So to have a healthy, growing relationship with your spouse, with your children, with siblings, with your parents, and even with your friends, it is helpful to learn what that person's love language is and learn to speak in that way. Well, did you know that God has a love language? He very clearly showed us his love when he gave us this. Let's read this scripture out loud together. I want you to see his love language here in this verse. Are you ready to read with me out loud? Okay, get ready. Here we go. John 3, 16 to 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God sent Jesus to die on the cross on our behalf to provide a way for us to have eternal life with him. He is the ultimate gift giver. But how do we communicate back to God? How do we show him that we are grateful for his sacrifice and for his gift? Well, in John 14, 15, Jesus gave us the answer when he said, if you love me, keep my commands. I want you to notice here that the emphasis first is on love. When you love someone, you want to show them honor and respect. You trust that when they ask you to do something, it's because they have your best interest at heart. They would not be asking you to do something that would cause you harm. Our obedience to God is a result of love, not a means of proving it. Andy Stanley says it this way. He says, God's commands are not conditions for a relationship, but a confirmation of a relationship. This is not a matter of legalism, but a matter of love. And I want to repeat the statement that I just made before, because I want to make sure that we hear this. Our obedience to God is a result of our love for him, not a means of proving it. The second reason that I want to tell you why we should obey God is that his promises and his word can absolutely be trusted. 
Uh, I used to work a couple of years ago in the insurance industry, and I spent the first couple of months in the office. I would you know, greet clients, and I would answer phones. I would answer questions about car insurance policies and home insurance policies, and I would help people file claims if they had issues. But at the same time, I was studying because I had a test that I had to pass in order to get my insurance license. So there were tons of definitions, guidelines, rules, regulations, and things that I had to learn and memorize to be ready for this exam. But the first basic definition that I wrote in my notes was for the word insurance. I'd never really thought before about how to define insurance, but I'm going to share it with you today. Insurance is a measure taken for protection against risk. Another way to say it is that by buying an insurance policy, you are transferring the risk from yourself to your insurance company. I give them my money each month, and if anything happens to my car or my home, they take care of it. As long as it's covered in your policy, check with your agent. Um, <laughs> I have to say that. <laughs> uh, I don't have to think about all of the what-ifs, and I don't have to make contingency plans for what will happen if a tree falls on my car or if a pipe bursts, because the insurance company and I have made a deal. That means they take care of it. And I want to suggest to you today that obedience to God is a type of insurance. When I make the choice to obey God for what he has told me to do, guess what? He becomes responsible for the outcome. I may not ever know the why, the reason, or the purpose behind the task that he's given to me, but I can know that if I do my part, which is to obey, he can always be trusted to do his part. Now, I want to clarify here when I say that I'm transferring the risk in my life when I obey God. Am I saying that everything will work out great if I obey? Am I saying that difficult things will disappear? Am I saying that a life following Christ is the safe life? I wish I could say yes to those things, but I'm not. And Scripture is very clear about that. In fact, John 16:33, Jesus says to us, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. Jesus wants us to have peace because he tells us next, in this world you will have trouble. But, he says, take heart because I have overcome the world. The risk that I'm talking about being removed is more of a wide-view, uh, long-term risk. When I obey God and my obedience is motivated by my love for Him, I can rest assured that no matter what happens on this side of eternity, here on earth, is not the final word. That's great news, you guys. My real reward and blessing will come in heaven. If we only view our obedience to God as a way to smooth the bumpy roads while we're here on earth, we are being very short-sighted. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, I want to read to you a quote of his uh, on these thoughts. He says, let no man be deceived with the idea that if he carries out the right, by God's grace, he will prosper in this world as a result. It is very likely that for a time at least, his conscientiousness will stand in the way of his prosperity. God does not invariably make the doing of the right to be the means of monetary gain to us. On the contrary, it frequently happens that for a time men are great losers by their obedience to Christ. But, here's the good news again, the scripture always speaks concerning the long run. It sums up the entire life. 
There it promises true riches. If you wish to prosper, keep close to the word of God and to your conscience, and you shall have the best prosperity. You will not see it in a week, nor a month, nor a year, but you shall enjoy it before long. And if we go back to words of Scripture, John 14, 1 through 3 says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. God is a God who keeps his promises, and he can be trusted. Okay, so now that we have the why settled, let's look at the practical side of how do we obey God. The first step in learning to, uh, to obey is to hear his voice. We have to learn how to hear God's voice, right? There are so many things that are always competing for our attention, and we're being bombarded with noise from TV, from our phones, from music, from the computer, our kids, our family, our friends, our neighbors, our work, all of that. And it is very rare that we truly experience silence, right? I mean, I know at my house, when the power goes out, and even that hum of the refrigerator stops, I mean, it's almost, it's almost eerie, isn't it? How quiet, quiet can be. Because there are so many voices that are always fighting for our attention, we must be careful to, with what we listen to. Uh, Mark 4, 23 and 24, Jesus says, if anyone has ears to hear, he had better listen. And he said to them, take care about what you hear. Jesus says this phrase, if anyone has ears to hear, he had better listen. He says that seven times in the Gospels. It is important that we are careful to hear what God is wanting to say to us. Learning to hear his voice is something worth practicing. And one of the primary ways that we can hear God's voice is through Scripture. Uh, are we being intentional? Are you and I really being intentional to listen to God's word? It is very difficult sometimes to sort through the truths and the half-truths that we hear today in the world. And that's why it's really important that we know what God has to say uh, on the matter. If you are looking for a way to get better at hearing God's word through learning what scripture has to say, I want to encourage you, go to mw.church. Then I want you to click on the connect button, and there you're going to see, if you go down a little ways, you're going to see a list of all kinds of classes that are offered here throughout the week and during different seasons that you can join to be intentional about listening to God's Word. We have classes like Alpha, Beta, Word, Cleansing Stream, and there are several Bible studies on there as well that you can choose uh, to, to connect with. Uh, another way that you can be intentional about Scripture is practice memorizing Scripture. Listen to music that is filled with truth. But one of my favorite ways to learn to listen to God's voice is through something called listening prayer. Are you familiar with that? It's my favorite way to pray because it's super short, it's super simple. And it's the way that Samuel prayed in 1 Samuel 3.10 where he says, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And the trick is, when you pray this way, then be quiet. <laughs> and listen for what it is he wants to say to you. Uh, about 20 years ago, I got this book when we were living in Lansing, Michigan, and it's called God Guides. And this is a compilation of stories by a missionary named Mary Gee. Mary Gee was a missionary to India for about 40 years, from the early to mid-1900s. 
And after she got on the mission field, somebody taught her how to pray in a way where she listens more than she speaks. And when she learned the power of hearing God's voice in prayer, she then began teaching others how to practice listening prayer as well. And I want to read to you this great story. It's on page two. And listen to how she describes this process. She said, I determined to listen to God for guidance in all matters, and I promised him I would obey him in whatever he told me to do. There were so many things which needed solutions. One was a feeling of friction between my colleague and myself. She had 10 children and often did not feel well and could not carry out her work program regularly. I felt very critical of her for trying to hold on to her job. One morning early, I asked God for guidance. What could I do to dissolve the critical feeling that I had in my heart for her? Take her a fresh egg, came the thought. Well, that wasn't my idea, and who would say that that was guidance? I mean, a dozen fresh eggs might be reasonable, but one? My colleague might be insulted. So I wrote it off and gave up for the morning. I went to school to teach my classes, and at noon when I came home, there was a chicken sitting on the armchair in my living room. <laughs> in India, I guess often their homes didn't actually have anything on the windows. So the hen flew down and started to cackle, and there was an egg freshly laid. Dear me, that had never happened before nor since. And I remember what I had written in my new guidance notebook. Take her a fresh egg. Why not obey, she thought. Well, my colleague will probably laugh at me. And God said to her then, results are not your business. Your business is obedience. You promised. So I took the egg and I went to her house. Her little son was outside and that helped a lot. Here, Tumby, I said, take this egg and give it to your mother. It's for her. So Tumby took it in and went to the house and gave it to his mother. I didn't wait, but I left quickly. That evening, the mother came to me. How did you happen to bring me that egg? Well, I prayed about it this morning, and it's what God told me to do. She said, oh, that is just like God. He knew that I had nothing to eat this day. There just wasn't enough food for us all, so I went without. And then you brought that egg for me. When I ate it, I felt strengthened and satisfied. And then all of her family, the family of this colleague, began to listen to God daily for guidance. And all of the friction in Mary's heart was gone, and there sprung up an understanding and Christian love for her. Our obedience can be someone else's answer to prayer. Our obedience impacts the people around us. When I say yes to God, he blesses not just me, but those around me. If we don't intentionally make room in our lives to hear God's voice, we cannot then be surprised if he seems silent. So number two. After you've listened for God's voice, I want to encourage you to, number two, have courage. We are told in Scripture many times to have courage or be courageous. Uh, Joshua 1, 6 through 9 says, Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn to it from the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong 
and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It takes courage to be obedient. Even Mary, when she was told to take an egg to this colleague, had to have a measure of courage to be obedient. But we also need courage because often what God will tell us to do, even in Mary's case, um, it often doesn't make sense to us. But listen, God gives us enough information to obey, but not so much that faith is not required on our part. It requires faith. Because again, he will give you enough information to obey, but not so much that faith is not required on your part. Sometimes the things he asks of us are big, but he reminds us to have courage. I want to look real quickly at the story of Abraham. Abraham's example of obedience is one that really did require a lot of faith on his part. In fact, his story is uh, spelled out for us in what is often referred to as the faith chapter in Hebrews chapter 11. So are you ready to hear Abraham's story? I hope so, it says. And we're going to start in verse 8 here. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Can you imagine God asks you to put everything that you own into a U-Haul truck and just start driving? That's what he did for Abraham. And you know what? He went. It says, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, his wife, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, Abraham, and he as good as dead... Is that, does that strike you guys as funny? I think, I know he was old, but, and he, as good as dead, uh, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people, all the people listed in this chapter before we even got to Abraham's story, all of these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them from a distance and welcomed them admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. But instead, and here is our key verse that we need to remember, they, these people of faith, were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. That is our real reward. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. When he was called, Abraham obeyed, and he went. And he went without knowing where he was going. He didn't wait until God gave him the specific address. He didn't wait until he had all of his questions answered. Abraham answered one question, and that was, can God be trusted? And the answer was yes. And so when Abraham heard God say go, he packed and he got on the road. And because time and time again he had seen God's faithfulness, Abraham could leave for an unknown place and he could do it with a sense of freedom. A freedom that says when I obey, God is responsible for the outcome. Remember, that's our responsibility. Obey and trust God to take care of the rest. So Abraham was a great example of number three, the third thing that we need to do, and that is to act quickly. But as you can see, it says obey without delay, and that's because my husband, Joel, 
really loves Dr. Seuss and things that rhyme, so he thought this sounded better. <laughs> obey without delay, or act quickly. <laughs> if you like the rhyming, stick with obey without delay. So Mark 1, 16 to 18 says, As Jesus went along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will turn you into fishers of people. And they left their nets immediately and followed him. When Jesus calls us, we need to do as Simon and Andrew did, and we need to act immediately or obey without delay. Because listen to this, the longer we sit with disobedience, the more comfortable it becomes. We do not want to be people who are comfortable with disobedience. Obey without delay. If that's something you struggle with, I have a great verse that you can start memorizing. Psalm 119.60 says, I keep your commands eagerly and without delay. Are you struggling today with your rebellious nature? And are you holding tightly to doing things your own way? Has God maybe asked you to do something and you are trying with all your might to ignore him? Or maybe today you know that he's been asking you to stop doing something. Know that it's because he knows what's best for you. Many times we try everything but obedience only to find that nothing works but obedience. But I know that there's some of you here today who are experienced at hearing God's voice and obeying. And there's some of you who can say without hesitation, that obedience is, in fact, the path to blessing and to joy and freedom. For those of you who can say that for yourself, I want to challenge you today to do something. Would you share your stories? When we tell others about how God has been faithful in our lives, it encourages them to take that step of faith. Psalm 145.4 says, One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. Uh, I think a lot of you should have stories from these last two weeks, right? It's been very exciting hearing about how many of you have stepped out and shared God's love in our community through acts of kindness and service. I mean, as Joel mentioned, 600 or more of you have spent 1,382 hours investing in and sharing the love of Christ in our community. Your obedience this last couple of weeks to God's word where he clearly says, love your neighbor as yourself, it means that our community now is ripe for God's blessings. Isn't that exciting to know that in the months and the days to come, we are going to start hearing stories about how your act of obedience, your surrendered life, has made an impact on our community. So I want to remind you, our three things. We need to listen for God's voice. We need to have courage and obey without delay because God is faithful if you have been trying to live life your own way and you are coming to the realization that something is just off, uh, if you're just sensing that you're lacking something, there's not a sense of peace or joy or freedom in your life, I want to encourage you today. I want to strongly encourage you, but I want to lovingly encourage you to give obedience to God's voice and honest try and know that he can be trusted. Would you stand with me? I want to pray with you today. Heavenly Father, you have created each and every one of us, and your heart's desire is to have a relationship with us, 
a relationship built on the basis of trust where you can speak into our lives and we are ready to say, yes, Lord. You speak words of love, correction, encouragement, and hope over us. And you don't want for any of us to miss a single word of what you have to say. God, help us today to live in a way that we are always saying, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Help us to have ears that hear. For some of us today, you're asking us to take an egg to our neighbor. But for others, you're asking something big. Pack up and move to another country kind of big. And for some, you are simply asking us to be still and know that you truly are God. Others today have heard you whispering to them that they need to tell their story, that they need to share with someone about your goodness and faithfulness. Lord, help us to be obedient. Forgive us for our rebellious attitudes and our patterns of pride. Remind us that your ways and your thoughts are far above ours. You see the beginning from the end, and you can be trusted. And as we tell of your goodness, God, from one generation to the next, may you and you alone be praised in Jesus' name.